Back once again for 2023. We got a technical problem. Oh uh, yeah. A big old duty. A big old duty duties in our is in our podcast start. Well hold on, because I want you to hear my clip. Oh, I, I think I know what's going on though. What how, this what's this fucking channel here? Please stand by. Okay, turn this shit. Oh man. Okay. Now we're good to go. Just when you thought they were dead. When you thought we were buried deep in the swamps. Out comes the thing. Wait, chimp. <laughs> and the swamp thing. Captain Brunch. What's up, chimp? How's it going? Welcome back to Saturday Night Lit. We are lit. You know, I think we are now on fountain lit on fountain right now. Oh, really? Did they finally implement that? Yeah, if I understand correctly. Actually, I saw it. I, I was listening to Podcasting 2.0 yesterday live on... on. No, it wasn't Fountain, though. It was on Podcast Addict. Yeah, Podcast <laughs> Addict. That that I remember, yes. But I feel like it's also... They said it uh, soon, maybe. Well, they just had Oscar on, and he, he was saying he would do it, but... Yeah, but he hadn't done it yet. So I don't, you know, I don't know why I was, I was talking out of turn like that. But I didn't realize he's like the only developer or like the main developer. So I imagine there's a lot going on. Yeah. I don't want that weight. <laughs> That's for sure. Either way, it's much appreciated and you are all much appreciated. Thank you for joining us. We took a bit of a, of a little hiatus there, huh? Yeah, that's for sure. Well, you know, things were going on, right? And it was the holidays. I had my birth anniversary uh, then the new year happened and I don't know. I feel like you've been going through some stuff. Yeah. I just finished moving. I just got my own pace, my own little bachelor pad. It was a big move. It was a lot to do and still a lot needs to be done, but at least I'm sleeping in a new place now. Yeah. It's never really done, but at least you're most of the way through it. I mean, you're, you're already there. You're sleeping there. Your dogs are sleeping there. Yeah. Let's put it this way. Um, <laughs> I haven't worn deodorant in like two weeks because I don't know where it is. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's hidden somewhere in one of those boxes. And if I happen to sound any different to you, it's because I got a different microphone. I'm talking to you now on a Shure SM7B, which Ooh. is, uh, you know, a fancy ass mic, fancier ass than the one I was using before, which is still a pretty nice microphone. Industry was, standard. Damn. I was using a Sennheiser E935 before. And now I'm using this uh, industry standard. Damn. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty much the mic you see on TV all the time. So you're kind of being a little cop out right now. Nah. Cop out. I've I mean, always wanted to try that mic. So I'm glad you finally got it. There's got to be a reason why it's so famous, right? Maybe it's because Sure is bribing a lot of influencers. I don't know yet. They well, didn't bribe the me. We, we, we got a used model. <laughs> that had cat hair and scratches on it. <laughs> yeah, I noticed as I started to get real close to it. I'm like, what? What is this? Like, this thing's got whiskers on it. It's like kind of tickling me. And then I was pulling. You also saved like almost two hundred dollars. So <laughs> I'll take it. Sounds good to me. Hell and it sounds yeah. good to me. It does. And right I'm out the box. still on my mic. What do you have? Uh, Equitech E200. Equitech E200 by a company called CAD. Um, Kanuat something audio designs out of Ohio. So Ohio. Well, shout out to American made. Yeah. American made back in the nineties. She's pretty. I like her. 
That's cool. So I'm I'm kind of riding high today because I went with my mother to see Tina, the Tina Turner musical, uh, at the the Broward Center for the Performing Arts, and uh, you know it was really nice. It was nice to to just get like kicked in the face with a bunch of music live music I had, that hadn't happened to me in a while that's a good venue i like that venue it's not as big as the adrian arch center so it feels a lot more intimate oh man so speaking of intimate we were literally in the back right corner of the whole venue like row n which is the last row <laughs> but i i told my mother because she asked me i think it was on thursday or wednesday like she heard about it somehow apparently she'd been hearing about it but she didn't bother to tell me about it until that day and I looked it up. I'm like, oh, it's this weekend. Well, I can't go Friday. But what about Saturday? I mean, we could have gone Friday probably, but it would be more expensive. And though the only place in the whole house that had two seats next to each other was in the back corner. But it's a small enough venue that, you know, you could see the, the whole stage fine. I mean, you couldn't exactly see the wrinkles on people's faces, but you can get a sense for their expressions. <laughs> From the humble beginnings of Nutbush, Tennessee, <laughs> to her transformation into the global queen of rock and roll, Tina Turner didn't just break the rules, she rewrote them. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know if that's exactly what I got from the from the musical. It's a bit, um, you know, it was pleasant. I'm going to say it was a pleasant experience and I'm happy I did it. My mom enjoyed herself. So that's, that's all it was about. It was about nice. doing something a little different than the norm. What did I see there? I saw um, Wicked and I saw Spam a lot. Yeah, I saw a poster for Wicked and I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll, I could see that. But I, I'm probably going to try to find a copy of that online <laughs> rather than going to, you know. Not the same, but okay. Yeah, of course it's not the <laughs> same, but it, it's similar. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a facsimile, you know. Um, Just like AI art, you know, not the same, but it's... Gosh, well, but you know, but I'm... I, uh, like, I don't know if I've talked to you about this before, but I, I used to, and by used to, I mean, because I haven't had an excuse to lately, watch bootleg versions of movies, like the most bootleggy version of these like big blockbuster hits that there's no way in hell I would ever bother to go see in the movie shaky theaters. Camera. Yeah, shaky camera, someone stands someone up and walks in the way. Like, you know, it's... and. But just because I, I wanted to be able to participate in the public discourse, I'm like, okay, well, if I'd seen it, I at least have some sort of sense of what people, you know, the mainstream people are thinking about. And so, yeah, I've just, I've just that's TMI. I think I've revealed too much about myself. <laughs> uh, I completely forgot what I wanted to mention. You started well, talking about that. I'm like, what? <laughs> well, if it comes back, I mean, we were talking about musicals. Yes, I was just making sure that we were lit. And yes, we are. The bat signal is out there and we are L-I-T. We're lit. Oh, man, you know, I got to subscribe to this podcast so that I can get these these bat signals. Speaking of lit, I don't think John C. Dvorak knows what lit is. There's a lot of things that John C. Dvorak <laughs> doesn't know and that's okay. Or at least how to write it. What you, what you don't know can't hurt you. I recently donated to um, No Agenda. My birthday just passed, by the way, Thursday. And this, New Year. this is the clip. Oh, wait, got to put the volume up. Duh. And I was already to Adrian, and I were up to Chimp from the Saturday Night Light podcast. <laughs> uh, North Miami Beach, $100. Oh, man. It's his first donation. He's a de-douche. You've been de-douched. On schedules for Kevin McLean. I did not ask for a de-douching. <laughs> 
<laughs> but he gave it to me anyway. I mean, was that your first donation under Chimp? I put fi- my first Fiat donation. <laughs> uh, he wouldn't understand that either. I know. And probably neither would Eric the Shill. It was probably Eric who was, who, Gosh, who was setting anything about Saturday Night Light. Because, <laughs> okay, so that, I think that used to be, uh, there was a TV show called Friday Night Lights. It was like a, fo- a high school football drama. Friday Night Lights. That's, yeah. Yeah, Friday Night Lights. So I think you know probably he was getting some sort of some sort of cross feedback in his brain, and he wasn't able to just read what it said on the L I T. I mean L I T. How do you turn that into light unless you added an E and at the end? Just because I was listening live, just before Adam was like, "Okay, so finish off the nations while um, I set something up," and I'm thinking, "Oh no, John's gonna fuck it up." And he did. But thankfully, when the birthdays came around. Adam fixed it. It's a birthday to celebrate. Kurt Butler turned 54 yesterday. Baron Wayne of the Great Southern Land turned 63 today. Chip from the Saturday Night Lit podcast, 34. Yeah. January you can hear that on Saturday Night <laughs> here on NoAgendaStream.com. Andrew Wyatt. You can hear that on Saturday nights right here on the No Agenda Stream. Okay, so now we got to figure out how do we get ourselves on the No, no Agenda Stream? Like, who do we talk to? Uh, I have an idea of who to talk to. I believe uh, Sir Ben Rose runs it, but... Okay, because now that we're back on our regular schedule, uh, we have to get on that thing. You know that that'll get us a bunch of free listeners. Yeah, sure. <laughs> free free producers, I should say. <laughs> but so, it was fun. It was it was it was funny. Fun to hear it. Um, also funny to listen to the mistakes, which I think he does on purpose half the time. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, it's hard to tell with, with John. It's really hard to tell. But I look, f- you know, I'm, I'm only halfway through the episode, so I look forward to hearing the rest of it. Yeah, anyway. So, yes, so um, with the new place, we didn't mention it before, but I'm going to have like, I'm setting up a live room in the living room. I'm going to have like, live room. Going to have a drum set permanently set up with mics around it. Like, there's space for, there's enough space for amps and everything to be, already be set up. And already mic'd up, so as soon as I want to jam, just someone comes over, we hit record, and we're playing. So very nice. That sounds like a like a little dream. And since I'm the only one living there, eating there, dogs eat on the floor, right? I don't really need a dining room table, so it's gonna be like a little podcast <laughs> station. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Okay, cool. Whatever. That sounds great to me. I look forward to checking it out. Uh, so, we, is that next week? And we can have a guest over. Um, ideally, yeah, because I'm actually off Sunday through Sunday, so I'm gonna try to do a lot of fucking work these next few days. Oh, man, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I guess I have to jump ahead since I mentioned next week. Next week is the Bitcoin Vortex. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so perfect. I'll be off. Um, So that's starting Thursday. I'm not going to be able to do anything on Thursday because I have my apprenticeship on Thursday nights. But we got Black Bitcoin Miami happening in in Miami and and, uh, Palm Beach Bitcoin is happening in Palm Beach. It's uh, they happen once a month and I got them to agree to do a special second one for the month or I guess the first one. For February 2nd. Um, then uh, on the Fridays, the Miami Bitcoiners meetup, and that's like the biggest one. Usually the most people of the meetups that I go to, that's the one that has the most people in it. Um, so I'm definitely going to go to that. That'll be Friday night. I've taken all those days off, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So on th- Friday, I'm definitely going to be pumping the Bitcoin Vortex because on Saturday we're doing a barbecue. So we're having Bitcoin what? barbecue at Grenolds, at, right? At Grenolds Park, yeah. And nice. I, I haven't rented a space yet, so I got to make sure to do that tomorrow. I mean, if we don't rent a space, it's just a random Saturday. So this Captain Bronze, <laughs> there's plenty, there's plenty of spaces to 
to do it at, you know, like if we don't get a space. Yeah, but you need to do it at Grounds. No, I mean, we'll definitely do it at Grounds. I'm just saying that, you know, we wouldn't necessarily have the reserved space, but th- that'll be determined ASAP. In any case, uh, then Saturday Saturday from 5 to 7 is the Broward Bitcoin meetup. And then af- at 7 o'clock, they have karaoke. So I'm going to do one song and then I'm going to get the hell out of there so that I can do the podcast. Oh, so you're not going to make it. That's what you're saying. No, but if we do it at your house, it's even easier. That is true. Because then I just have to go straight to your house. I don't have to come to my house and wait for you to show up. So I'm going to have Saturdays and Sundays off now. Ooh. That's my new permanent schedule. So are we going to make Saturday Night Lit longer? (laughs) Or later? Yeah, we could do that too. Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like that takes us closer into into getting sued territory. (laughs) What time did that other um, no-name show start? (laughs) 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock. Yeah, it's like after the news or something. Mm. Whatever. So then... uh, so I'll do, and you know, we could even maybe do, I don't know what on location means. I was going to say we could do it on location, but we could probably maybe get some special guests in relation to the Bitcoin Vortex to come on to the show next week. Um, Cause there's going to be a bunch of people around. There's people from out of town. I'm surprised how many people are coming from out of town. Um, there's this guy, JC Crown, who is coming from uh, North Carolina, I think. Um, this guy, Anthony Park, he's coming from New York. He's a lawyer who specializes in inheritance. And so he's going to be talking to people about how to like pass your Bitcoin on to your family. And he's just like emailed me out of nowhere saying, hey, you know, like I heard about this thing. Like, can I come and talk about what I do? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Sounds good to me. <laughs> like, why the hell not? He had presented at um, at Adopting Bitcoin in El Salvador and some a few other like conferences. And he's a lawyer you know, with a, a Juris doctor or something like that. So I figured, hell, well, why wouldn't I have this like extremely qualified person come, come to town? So he's going to be at the Broward Bitcoin meetup and at, at uh, Bitcoin brunch. He's going to do a presentation at 220 at Bitcoin brunch. We're going to have a lightning market at Bitcoin brunch. So There's going to be like a few vendors. We're next week, not things. tomorrow. Yeah, next week, not tomorrow. <laughs> um, and in the evening, Bit Miami is doing a workshop on Bitcoin security. I think it's like on multi-signature transactions. And, and I don't really know anything about that. So I'll probably learn a few things that night. And then finally, to close out the Bitcoin vortex, we've got Bit Devs um, at a new location. Oops, excuse me. To be announced very shortly. And there should be some special guests at that Bit Devs. And so I'm excited. It's next week. Uh we were just at uh, Naples Bitcoin Bitcoin Day Naples last yeah, Saturday. Yeah, how did that go? That was fun. Um, so there was like a little troop of us that came from Miami. Um, Daniel Amelli, who's part of Bit Miami, he presented with a panel called Bitcoin Friendly Florida. So it was like talking about Bitcoin regulation and the status of, I guess, like being a Bitcoiner in the state of Florida. I mostly chilled in sort of like the side room. There was a side room where they had a few different things set up and... That was cool because a lot of the speakers, went, after they were done speaking, they would go to this other room to kind of like chill and talk. So I got to talk to a lot of people one-on-one. I got to meet, meet like Gary Leland, who is the Bitcoin boomer, and a bunch of other really cool people. So, you know, I had a great time. The Bitcoin boomer. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, he's like a um, 60-something a baby boomer, you know, aged guy. And, and he's really, you know, fallen deeply into the Bitcoin rabbit hole. And so he's talking about Bitcoin from that perspective. And um, so everyone I met, 
talk to about ah, the, the i don't have access to the chat by the way so which chat the the, the telegram so oh, you the are telegram. our our uh chat troll today oh man art needs a link okay art <laughs> let's see well i'll put on some music real quick yeah he's gonna put some music on real quick so i can get one of our one of our fam one of our fam up in the his hey <laughs> man like panda's pumping the links up panda why don't you just sit back and relax and just chill for a minute man we don't we don't need to be talking about world war three <laughs> if i die it'll be to the song <laughs> that song will be playing in your head fantasize about that's that abrupt ending you used to fantasize about what of how i would die what i'd be listening to <laughs> oh gosh this is, this is me at like this is me in high school that is morbid um <laughs> i don't know why i uh i gotta give a big shout out to panda i got to hang out with panda in naples nice so we were invited because um jew and mars were doing media they offered to do media for the event. So they brought their cameras and they were taking pictures and videos of everything. And and so, you know, one thing led to another and we got invited to go back to a house where several of the speakers were like renting the house, you know, as an Airbnb. And we brought a bunch of food. Like we stopped at Publix. We got subs. We got chips. Another group of people brought a bunch of pizzas from Pizza Hut. It was nuts. We brought all this food. It was like a ton of food. And we hung out with a bunch of cool Bitcoiners. Panda was there and we chilled. Damn. Out. We chilled out. So shout out to Panda. <laughs> shout out to Panda. Yeah, so that was uh, Naples Bitcoin Day. We met a bunch of cool people. We got to promote the Bitcoin Vortex. And uh, so that's kind of cool. One other Bitcoin thing I want to mention before we go get on to other topics is um, I... I was invited to participate in like a collaborative project called Satoshi, the cyber opera. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. The, so then, you know, the name is, uh, it's not the most amazing name in the world, but it, it, it it's a very, very clear name. <laughs> so it, it is like a, I don't know. It's going to be a musical about Satoshi. It's a fictionalization of the story of Satoshi Nakamoto. Was this like being advertised at the Tina Turner musical? No, not at all. Oh. I was invited by my friend, Phil, um, who's a Bitcoiner and was very involved in like, I guess, community building online. So it's interesting. It's some, um, some musicians, it's uh, some, some really cool people. You can check out the website. If anyone's interested, Satoshi, the cyber opera, they got a website um, it's really, really pre pre-production phase there. However, I, I just wanted to mention it cause I am, you know, I've, I've been going to some of these zoom meetings that they have and trying to give some feedback and input. And I might even try to help with some songs if it's possible. I'm, you know, I'm not going to hold my breath, but it might be possible. 
So we'll see. Look out for Satoshi the Cyber Opera at a Bitcoin conference or a music festival. The world, the world's first decentralized open source cyber opera. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and there's definitely a lot of that ethos of, of like decentralized, of distributed, of, of voluntary effort. You know, there's a lot of that. So that's kind of interesting. Um, but we'll see how that starts to come together when, you know, when people need need to actually get things done. Um, there, there are some people who are at the head. Uh, Tomer Strolite, DJ Valby Love. Um, they're like, I think, the, the lead Thinkers. The, the idea came from a an essay um, that Tomer Strolite wrote, and it was called what was it called? Like Satoshi's something something treasure. I'm gonna find out the name of this essay, and then um, it'll just be something that people could read if they're if they're interested in. It's funny, like even though you know we don't know who Satoshi is, there is no head of Bitcoin, so there's no yeah. one to um, <laughs> to idolize or you know or lead the movement. People do it anyway. And so we literally, <laughs> we're literally inventing stories. So it was based on this, the legendary treasure of Satoshi Nakamoto by Tomer Strolite. And yeah, it is, it is a complete fictionalization. I mean, the story is, it's, it's saying, you know, like these things happen, but it, it's, it's also taking place in a somewhat fictionalized world. And there's, a, there's a, a lot of artistry to it. So I don't think it's, it's being disrespectful or it's, it's trying to like be definitive about the story of Satoshi. I wouldn't say so. It's the, so, the, so the cyber opera is literally just trying to give a presentation of the sentiments and the feelings that, that led to the creation of Bitcoin and that continue to inspire people about it so it's you know it's not so much about satoshi as it is about the idea of a human being needing to be free or needing to uh i don't want to talk too much about it because it's really early stages of you know yeah um, but yeah it's it's, it's really interesting I, I we're we're at we're getting to the point where you know they're starting to like ask the artists to okay let's start coming up with design ideas and song like actual concrete you know song example um, so we'll, you know, we'll see in the next few weeks, things should really start to come together. Um, um, I don't, I really don't know how much I'm going to be able to help, but I, I, I keep telling people like, Hey, if you need a lyricist or a songwriter or something like I'm, I'm I'll help. <laughs> I'm happy to help if you, if you've got like the beats and the, the melody, but you don't have the, the, the lyrical style or the poetry. Okay. Just, you know, I'm right here. We can do this. <laughs> we can get this done. Value for value. Well, that's the idea. That is the idea. Speaking of like working on new things, I am soon to be working on a new job. Right. Yeah. So my last, since I did mention I'm taking Wednesday, Thursday, Friday off. So Tuesday is my last day at my job. I'm <laughs> so happy about that. You're taking it off or you're just not going to be working because you have no job. I mean, I, I, I applied for PTO. I got to talk to my human resources, make sure she gets me, <laughs> gets oh. me those PTO. You know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm owed the PTO. So, uh, it shouldn't be a problem. They they don't want me to leave. They keep like the the human resources lady has come to see me every day since I've uh, since I gave my two weeks notice. How much? How much? Uh, it's not about the money though. It's just it's about the company and what they do. And like I said from the beginning, I said you know this company they they have a a very narrow scope of the work that they do, and everything else gets subcontracted. I have the qualifications to do a, a larger scope of work. So I want to work for a company that does more stuff. It just, it's going to be better for my career, regardless of how much money you guys are offering me right now. 
in the long run, having more skills is going to get me a lot more money. What if it's like 150 grand? Oh, God, dude. <laughs> I mean, shut up. Everyone has a price. Yeah, yeah, okay, sure. If you pay me enough, I can hire someone else to do the work for me, and I'll just sit there and study. Uh, there's a, we, we could work something out, right? Like, I, oh, I can get a secretary? Sounds good to me. That's all I wanted to hear. Yeah, but so I'll be working at a company that instead of a shipyard, I will be driving to shipyards and marinas and people's backyards or whatever to work on. Um, they do diesel and diesel and and things on boats that have diesel engines. <laughs> you know, the way the GM said it to me, he's like, we do 80% of the work that, that you can do on a boat and then 20% we don't do. So, you know, as opposed to the company I work for now where they do 20% of the work and you really have to stop moving from the mic. <laughs> You're driving me crazy. Or bring it up a little more. Yeah, I got it. I think it, <laughs> I'm I just think watching it's like your levels down. drop, uh, you know, $400 mic, $40 mic stand. Okay. Well, we got to improve our hardware, our hardware infrastructure. Hey, I'm good. You're good. <laughs> this is all your stuff. That's not mine. I don't, know where, I don't know where that came from. Whose microphone stand is this? And how did it end them. up in my apartment? How did, yeah, how do I have two microphone stands? And I don't know where they come from. They're not mine. Okay, whatever. I'll, I'll investigate that further. <laughs> Just sell them. So, you know, I'm really looking forward to a new job. Uh, I've kind of been unhappy with my job for a while. Uh, I don't like the state of the company. And so, you know, they're working through them through things and I hope they can work through those things. Does your job define you captain? No. Uh, if it did, I would be um, like mechanic brunch instead of <laughs> captain brunch. <laughs> Luckily I get to define myself because I'm, I'm a free man. And so I, I can, I can identify myself as like, please. And because you're only on the other side of a microphone or I should say, Speakers, headphones, you, the people who are listening, you can't define me. Other side of the audio chain. Yeah, there we go. You on the other side of the fence of audio. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So Panda's been uh, talking about World War Three. Should we be paranoid? Apparently Israel and the U.S. are attacking Iranian bases. Right now? Yeah, right now, according to Panda. And Steve Bannon. <laughs> the war room. Breaking. According to multiple Iranian sources, Iranian bases inside Iran have been attacked by Israeli drones. I mean, they said Iranian three times. By Israeli drones. Man, this drone war. Like, how did they know it's Israeli drones? Maybe it's Iranian drones. Maybe it's like a civil war going on. I feel like they're always droning each other. We just Are don't hear they? about it. I only ever hear about Iranian drones. So to now suddenly hear about Israeli drones is a, is a new thing to me. Not that they shouldn't have drones. I mean, drones are so inexpensive. And then do we announce when we drone? Do we announce when we drone? No, but, but they announce it when they capture our drones. Okay. <laughs> so if they capture like what? 30% of our drones. <laughs> you could probably <laughs> extrapolate from there. Oh, man. We do a lot of the droning. I think we do a lot of the drones. I wonder who manufactures all these drones anyways. Mm -hmm. Chinese. So do you Israeli? remember a long time ago when Bolsonaro, the former president of Brazil, said that he had ended? He said that he didn't want to end 
Operation Car Wash, but he had to end Operation Car Wash because corruption was done. He had he had gotten rid of all the corruption. Wait, when he was going after all the like the judges and stuff, something. Uh, well, not this, just judges, but yeah, I don't I don't know exactly when, but there was so there was some point in this guy's government where he and they've got him on audio. I mean, the guy gave a speech and he said. You know, I don't want to, I have to end this operation. And the operation was the operation that went after like all the corruption stuff, money laundering. Not, no, it wasn't so much money laundering. It was like bribes. It was contract um, schemes for contracts. So they were bribing politicians and the politicians were assuring that certain private companies would get the contracts to do things for the government. So that was Operation Car Wash. A whole bunch of people went to jail and, you know, Lula went to jail, but then they discovered that the judge who had put him in jail had actually been colluding with the prosecutors. And so they have all these text messages because they hacked one of their phones. And so they, you know, like journalists exposed the fact that it was like completely corrupt, the whole fucking process, excuse my French. So anyway, so like, so Bolsonaro, when he was president, he said like a, like, you know, like a dumbass that corruption was over. So I I really don't understand this narrative that I keep hearing from certain people, cough, cough, panda, cough, that the election was stolen. Like how, who stole the election? The corruption came back. The corruption. Where did it go? I mean, like it was just hiding under the bed for, in, for in the like jungle. two and a half years. It was hiding in the Amazon jungle. And no, it's not, I'm not saying that Brazil's not corrupt. Brazil's very obviously corrupt. But to me, it was like Bolsonaro was also corrupt. Well, it's like saying, you know, the swamp has been drained. Obviously, it's a lie. Yes, especially if like if the person draining it is leaking from all their orifices and, you know, and like they're just refilling the swamp with their own you know, excess of bodily fluids. <laughs> he lost his deodorant. What can you do? No, you lost your oh, deodorant okay. and you, cause it's in one of your boxes somewhere. <laughs> but you know, so now that I'm getting political and again, I mean, all, all I was trying to say is that I think most, I think they're all corrupt. They're all corrupt. You know, doesn't matter whether they're Republican or Democrat, but I find it interesting though. That, and I wrote this down a few weeks ago, and it was like this idea, this argument I wanted to make about this country that we live in. So when Republicans take Congress, which is something that they were on the verge of doing when I wrote this, and they have done so since I've written this, they only have two choices when it comes to war. They can either go against it and demand we bring the troops back, which is a narrative that Trump had promoted when he was running for president but he didn't actually do that. Or you can double down and you can say that Democrats don't spend enough money on military, which is what Trump and the Republicans actually did. So once Trump became president, he's like, Oh, the military's out of shape, even though we've never like, we've never spent less on the military one year than the previous year. Like we always spend more. So their, their budget increases are built into the planning of their of their budget. So when we increase their budget, we're not actually increasing their budget. We're increasing the increase that was already planned for. So when Trump increased the military budget, he wasn't he was just increasing how much we were going to increase it. That's what he did. And then that's what the Democrats just did to Joe Biden. 
and the budget that he had requested. For immigration? No, for the military. They're like, this is not enough money for military. But they're not taking money from the military to put into immigration. <laughs> Oh, is National that what he was defense? doing? I don't I remember. I think so. I don't remember. I just, but I just remember it was so silly. Like, again, the, the Republicans are still making this argument that we don't put enough money into our military. Both sides are doing the same shit. It's so bizarre to me. It's very bizarre to me. It's the Uniparty, you know? It is the <laughs> Uniparty. But and this is really fascinating, though, because it is made up of individuals. So they do have this these party structures that kind of keep them in line uh, force them to um, adhere to a party platform of some sort. But at the same time, they are individuals. And it's really fascinating because they needed to elect a Speaker of the House. Did you follow any of this story? No, I just kept hearing about it from other people. But Oh, man, it's hilarious because I actually watched some of these votes. It was so I think they it was a kind of, I think it started on a Friday. I think it either started on a Friday and then they had to like pick it up on a Monday or it started on the Monday. But the reality is that for a whole week, the United States House of Representatives did not have a speaker of the house, which is necessary to conduct any business. You need to have a speaker, someone who's presiding over the meeting, I guess. And a group of Republicans, the Freedom Caucus, so the Matt Gates, not all of the Freedom Caucus, but a, a a group of Freedom Caucus Republicans refused to vote for the chosen, you know, the chosen one who's um, something McCarthy. Kevin. Sure. Kevin McCarthy. They refused to vote for him. And it was really funny because they kept suggesting other Republicans. And so they had to keep going through this process where the Democrats would they kept choosing the same guy who was there. Like, I don't remember what his name was, but he was like the leader of the Democrats right now that Nancy Pelosi passed the baton onto this guy. The Republicans would nominate Kevin McCarthy and then the freedom Republicans would nominate whoever. Like sometimes there was one time that I heard that they even nominated the guy who nominated Kevin McCarthy. So it was fun. It was like bizarre. And, it was a mess. Like, I guess because the speaker had not been chosen yet, C-SPAN was able to do something strange with the camera. So they were able to show you parts of the chamber that they normally couldn't show you. And you could just see what disarray and, and disorder the chamber was and how like it was just a mess. They kept and they kept going through these votes. And it was it was like being in high school, like in a high school auditorium for some sort of popularity contest and the people booing and cheering and jeering and all of the silliness. There was one point when the Republicans were getting so bent out of shape that one Republican looked like he was about to attack Matt Gates, And so another Republican like comes up from behind and like grabs him from the neck and pulls him away. This is like bizarro world. So aside from the theatrics, what was the point of it all? So, uh, it's okay. I mean, all in all, it would be hard to, to say what it really was about because ultimately backroom deals resolved 
the problem. So, right, right. The, and I don't know what was agreed to in those, you know, okay. So a few, a you few, guess. Yeah. Um, a few committee positions were rearranged, but like, what was really like, what was, you know, like, I don't know because Kevin McCarthy is like a Democrat from California, but he's the head of the Republican party. It's, you know, it's some weird corporate, you know, cult, strange oligarch thing that's going on you know like why would the republicans even have this this rhino mccarthy as their leader it it doesn't make sense but you know but because he's like i don't know sucked all the right dicks or something that he assured himself this position you know in a way that hillary clinton couldn't <laughs> couldn't do for her presidency it's she my turn she wouldn't suck the dick <laughs> yeah i guess that's the issue or no one wanted them <laughs> no one wanted her to to wrap those like shrivelly vampire lips on their levations <laughs> <laughs> luxurious oh man capped yeah so one of the things that it really kind of struck to me though it it has to do with Again, like the the Uniparty, this is all a game that they're playing. They're just playing this. It's a it's theater. They're creating content for um, like pundit shows, TV, yeah, you know, for TV for the for the the talk radio. This Everyone is, wins, except us. Except like for the American the, the American people, people are screwed. <laughs> they're screwed because I'm sitting there thinking, wow. So the the Republican only needs. Like Kevin McCarthy, he only needed, you know, at one point, maybe it was 13 votes, something like that. So over a hundred Democrats were voting for this other guy, this Democrat guy. I don't, I don't know, like it, it, no one in their infinite wisdom said, well, I, I don't know, maybe why don't we compromise on something and, and, and maybe find a way to get some of these Democrats to vote for the Republican. And that way we can just move forward with business. And they could have done that on a Monday instead of having to like go through the whole week. And then Friday night at like 10 at night or 11 o'clock at night, coming back into session after, you know, someone got beat up in the back room or something. And finally they're able to pass it through. It's bizarre. And what ends up happening is that, at least from a pragmatic, objective point of view, without any kind of, you know, bias towards the Republicans or the Democrats, what happened is that this forced the Republicans to be even more conservative and more to the right than they would have been from the start. Because these freedom Republicans were demanding, you know, that he be more like them, which is, I guess, the opposite of what the Democrats wanted. So it just seems so screwed up to me, like, this is not what's good for most of the country then. This is only good for, you know, some kind of fringe minority that's able to capture one party. The same as I guess it would be if, if it was the Democrat. But what a strange world we live in. Well, it's just like a power struggle amongst those, those of Congress. Yeah, but see, what I wrote here was I put the speaker should not be a partisan position. Like theoretically, the Speaker of the House should just be the best parliamentarian, like the person who can just do the best job to keep the, 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 the House of Representatives in order to get the business done to get on with the day. That's, the, that's that person's job. But instead, what we've turned it into is essentially like the king of the House of Representatives. You know, the king is the speaker. And if you want to get anything done in that little kingdom, you have to get the, the speaker on your side. And so it's become this partisan thing as opposed to a democratic thing, as opposed to something that's a civic duty to keep this country running. No, it's a, just a 
you know, like we said, they all win. They they all got content. All the, uh, you know, and and now it's for the greater good. <laughs> and what I don't, I don't understand, like how they were able, like what exactly did they do with the debt ceiling? Did they extend the debt ceiling? Did yeah, whatever they happened. Pay with the that? interest. I don't I don't know what's going on, but I know that that I saw this chart and it was they were saying that the interest is now outpacing the deficit. So the interest we're paying on the debt is more than the excess spending we have per year. So it's just like it's nuts. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's just nuts the amount of money. Print more money. <laughs> well, it's the only way to that's the only way that they can continue forward towards their aspirations. But everything will fall apart and we'll have Bitcoin. Yeah, we will, but everyone else is screwed. Bitcoin and the American dream. You got some, uh, you got any inter intermezzos you can play for us, champ? For all I care, Panda says. Yeah, that's easy for you to say. You know your neighbors have a generator. <laughs> <laughs> and so do we at the party. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's for sure. You know, not everyone's got a generator they can count on. So, what, you know, what are we going to do for those little people, Panda? What are we going to do? <laughs> the little people. Uh, it says they got a committee on January 6th. I mean, let's see, you know, they they have a... They've got a House committee, but they're not going to get a Senate committee. So it's just, again, it's just going to create more content for, for the, the news, <laughs> you know, for the news cycle, for the for the TV shows and the, for the talk radio. They but had an NBC producer running, you know. Yeah, but look, <laughs> it's, it's going to go about as well as the recommendations of the first January 6th committee that Trump get prosecuted. Like, okay, I'm waiting. Like any day now, any day, just as I'm waiting for... Thousands of sealed indictments <laughs> to be unsealed, just as I'm waiting for Hillary Clinton to get locked up for all of her crimes. You know, I'm not going to hold my breath. I would. It would be fascinating and entertaining, but unfortunately, it's not in the interests of those in power. So I don't expect it to happen. Yeah, pretty much. It's just more, more of the what's it called. The bread and circus. Like, for instance, the Senate had come out with a report essentially arguing that the most likely source of COVID was a lab. Like the Senate, the, the U.S. Senate. And this was not too long ago, I'm pretty sure, while Biden was president. And like, no one cares because that's not that's not sexy. That's not going to sell 
hysteria and anger and, you know, depression, which is what cells has. <laughs> I had, I had a, a strange thought recently, and I think it's an interesting query in relation to the shootings that happened in California recently. So what was that all about? Oh, I don't know. And then have there been any more? So that's kind of freaky. Like these Asian guys with guns? Is that what <laughs> is that what's going on? I Older mean, Asian men, like in their sixties. Right? Like is this some 70s. sort of MK Ultra thing going on? Like, like someone strange. said the, someone said the right word and they got triggered. Well, you know, California, be careful. You're in our hearts and minds and our prayers. We're praying for your safety. But in relation to these shootings, I, I want I wanted to contrast two, I think, different kinds of shootings. And I don't know, like, I want to get your thoughts on it. So one of the types of shootings is the school shooting. And I thought about that a lot because I used to be a substitute teacher in the local public schools. And they would have us do the, you know, the, the, the active shooter drills and there were all these crazy. <laughs> I remember having to go under uh, underneath the desk. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I mean, so now the whole thing is that when there's an active shooter drill, they want the whole class to essentially be um, not visible because you, you know how a lot of classroom doors have glass, some sort of glass panel on them, so you could see into them. And so. When there's an active shooter, that's a, a that's a security threat because now the you know the active shooter can like look into the room and see like oh can I find the person I'm trying to kill? Gee, I wonder why they put that glass there in the first place. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, right. I mean, to see people. Yeah, to, to, yeah of course. <laughs> to exactly. take away your privacy. Exactly. It's exactly for that purpose, so they can make sure that you're behaving. The teacher's on task. All the students are sitting down. No one's being molested or anything like that. Oh wait, it's a safety concern, huh? right? So. <laughs> Yeah, so now you got, you got all these crazy things where they've had to, you know, they've had to move uh, electrical switches and stuff so that if the teacher had to turn off the lights, they wouldn't have to go to a visible part of the room. And, you know, the, the light switch has to be in a part that's not visible from that little window and the students all have to go hide. And it was all this craziness. So there's that one category, right, which is the school shooter. And then the other category is... The murder suicide, right? So I, I remember when I was a when I was younger. I'm not going to say a kid. I was probably an adolescent at that point. I think it was was the guy's name Phil Hartman. You know, really funny comedian, and apparently he lived here in Miami Beach. Hi, I'm Troy McClure. Yeah, and so you know whatever happened, like him and his wife murder suicide. I don't know. Like I guess he shot her and then shot himself. I don't know what it was. You know. It's not my business, but wow, what a sad, crazy thing. And so I got to imagine that there's probably way more murder suicides than there are school shootings. But these are completely different types of violence. A couple of months ago, um, because of someone who works in this industry, apparently um, somebody went to go buy like this couple was buying a house. So they were going to go see the house and, and, and meet the person there. And when they get there, the guy walks out and then he shoots his dog and then he shoots himself. Wow. Cause I guess murder suicide. He had to sell the house cause he had no money. God. He didn't want to. <laughs> yeah. So 
Oh, man. And I, so you got to imagine that the murder-suicide, there, there must, it's probably more of a despair. Oh, yeah. Then I would imagine in the case of the schools, it's more of a rage. Yeah, I would imagine with the murder-suicide, like why you why you murder someone else with you is because, well, I probably either really provide for this other person so they're fucked without me. <laughs> but I can't live any oh, further. Man. I mean, you got to go with me. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I got to, you know, there was a, apparently a case recently where a, a, a girl and her parents had a murder-suicide pact. And I, I remember I used to hear about this a lot from Japan. It was like a, it was like a common sort of trope to say about like, like the Japanese had all these suicide cults. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so I mean, what I'm trying to contrast though is not so much like the horribleness of these two scenarios, and they are horrible, but more the idea of these are gun violence, like examples of gun violence, and then what could you know, like we're always talking about this in society. What can we do to address the gun violence? Well, you know, what it's like a Second Amendment kind of question in a way, but it's also uh, like a general welfare kind of question. You know, what should we as a society be doing to address these issues? I tend to, to promote freedom and like individual liberty, so I don't, I don't think it's in anyone's best interest to, for the, us to be empowering the government to go around one by one deciding whether a person is capable or responsible enough to bear arms. And then especially, let's say, in the case of the murder-suicide, I don't know how much of a difference that would make. Like, if you didn't have a gun, maybe you would do pills. Maybe you would do gas or, you know, maybe you'd drive your car off a cliff or something. So there's there's nothing necessarily stopping you from murder-suiciding in either case. But in the school shootings, you got to imagine if there was a lot more restrictions to access to guns, like in most of the world, you'd have fewer of them. And then that seems to be the case. You have fewer school shootings in other countries. But I don't, that probably doesn't mean you have fewer people who are like wanting to do something like akin to a school shooting. You know, you have bullies, you got people who commit suicide, you've got people who come to school with knives and other things. I mean, that Things, I don't know. Um, well, you say like harder access to guns, but a lot of times they were getting it from like their their parents or some family's gun case or something. Like like for Columbine, it was like, I think they're like one of the guy's grandparents' gun case or something. Those kids wouldn't have had access to guns anyway. Yeah. They shouldn't have at least. But if this was uh, another country, then, you know, that person's grandparents' guns probably wouldn't be serviceable or available. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm absolutely in no way suggesting, though, that we need to, again, like be empowering the government to Damn go commie. <laughs> to be like restricting guns. Um, it's, it's, it's just I just found like an interesting kind of comparison and then these shootings in in california raise a whole other issue too especially because california is such a you know one of these lefty states so it's like why is all this violence happening in a lefty state and and i wonder like if it was texas would it have made a damn difference probably not but well well you have less ages in texas (laughs) 
Okay. Well, so I don't know. is it is it an Asian thing or is it just like? <laughs> no, I'm serious. Or is it just like a population distribution thing? Like, <clears throat> like okay, like someone was going to do it no matter what, <laughs> but the fact that it was in California it was more likely to be an Asian person. I mean, the strange thing is just that it happened like two times so close to each other. Yeah, that, that is strange. <clears throat> or maybe the strange thing is that they're talking about it so much because I remember, I remember they arrested some, not that we have anything against Asian people or people of, you know, who are from the countries that we call Asia. <laughs> <laughs> no, the one massive country called Asia. <laughs> um, but I remember there was a guy who was arrested in Miami beach because his license plate was like read by a license plate reader. And he oh, was, I hate those. He was like an Asian guy and he had murdered, he had murdered like a bunch of people in a pot farm. Oh yeah. In yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Kansas or something. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. Look out for these, these Asian hitmen or like boomer crazy guys with guns. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know what's going well, on. Could be the triads. <laughs> Isn't that Hong Kong? Yeah, that's Asia. This is true. This is true. Okay, we're going to stop being racist against the Orientals. <laughs> the Orientals. <laughs> uh, I, there was a recent, you know, there was a, I'm pretty sure it was featured on the No Agenda show. And I just found it a fascinating thing that I also wanted to talk about was at Davos when that was that, speaking of Asians. So tired of that. Davos talk, but yes, go but ahead. I'm not really going to talk but, about but Davos. But continue. <laughs> it's not so much about Davos. It was this Japanese um, oh, yeah. female reporter who was trying to Independent talk. Independent media. <laughs> yeah. And so. <laughs> and journalism. You know, so she's being like super polite and she's asking, who was it? Um, Klaus, Klaus Schwab. Schwab. She's asking Klaus Schwab, I guess, if she can ask him questions. And so then they're like, yeah, okay, we're, we're busy, we're busy. And then yeah, like, well, who are you with? Right. And then she's like, oh, independent media. And then he we're immediately busy, shuts her down. <laughs> and what I found so strange, I mean, what they were talking about on the No Agenda show was how exposed these people are. And they were kind of saying like, wow, like you don't have a bunch of security around you to make sure someone doesn't just walk up to you and blow your brains out. But of course, again, it's Europe. No one's got guns. So it's not really a worry. If they've got guns, they're probably working for the government. Um, but the thing that I wanted to bring up was why don't any of these people have the balls to say, no, we're not interested. Like they, they, they keep trying to be polite and be like, oh, you know, we're really busy right now. Like we're on our way to do something like, thank you so much. Like, what, what, what are you thanking them for? Like, be like, get the fuck out of my face. I don't want to talk to you. I don't know who you are. Go away. But they're like, eh, no, no. Maybe they're, maybe they're afraid that the person's going to go postal on them. Or they don't want to be like, since she was Asian, maybe like, oh, they're being a misogynist or being Asianist. They're be, yeah. You know, like Asianism is a big problem in, in the WEF. Could and, be. And, you know, we need to address this. Could be. So I don't know. I just... It, it, the next time that you are uh, like a, a jet set oligarch and you're at some, you know, fancy schmancy convention with all your fellow oligarchs from the other metropolitan cities around the world and some no name independent journalist tries to get an interview with you, just tell them to fuck off. OK, that was, that, was, that was my piece. That's all I wanted. That's all I wanted to say about that, because I was just it just I see it all the time. They're always Pussyfooting, for lack of a better phrase. Man, we're going to get so censored for this episode. 
Um, <laughs> on Spotify is calling. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're not paying us anyway, so they can go screw themselves. No, no, it's okay. We're on the index. Okay. Bye. Oh, yeah, the index is good. Oh, you just reminded me of this physicist who she like answers the phone in the middle of her podcast. Somebody from Ukraine just hopped onto the stream. Two people from you, the same person. It's the CIA. Probably. Yeah. Okay. Hello, CIA from Ukraine. Thanks for listening to us. Go home, Zelensky. But Go you, home. But you can send us some sats in the meantime, which by the way, this, this is Saturday Night Lit. This podcast is lit. So if you're listening from a podcasting 2.0 compatible, compliant podcast app, such as... Um, well, the only ones with the value for value, which is the only ones I want to talk about, are Podverse and CurioCaster. But, you know, you can listen to us on some other apps, too. Well, a lot of them have value for value, just not lit. Yeah, not lit. So, which other ones? I mean, you know, so Fountain has value for value. Fountain, so. Castomatic. Well, are, are all um, the episodes uploaded? We need to record something today so I could finish doing that. Because I, I did all the make. But remember, there's two of them that got cut off because of uh, the... Oh, issues. we got to do something for the end. So we're going to put an end cap to those two episodes yes. where the the, <laughs> the disk space on the, the SD card ran out. And we didn't notice till the show was over. And we're like, no! Yeah. But, you know, these are the growing pains of being um, budding creatives. I'm a creator. I am creating you right now creative do, do you feel yourself being created <laughs> yeah i expect to have the episodes out by tonight if not tomorrow all right well sounds good and you know i'm excited about you having saturday and sunday off because we're going to be able to expand the scope of of saturday night lit with your new found freedom yeah i'd like to start at nine instead okay i'm cool with that because i don't get to work till 11 that's all right with 30, me so but you said you're, you're gonna have sundays off I know, but I don't want to fuck up my sleep schedule. Okay, you want to maintain your sleep schedule. Well, I, you know, I I can't go on too late because I got to be available for brunch. But otherwise, you know. So, um, you know, we've been talking a little bit about AI. 9.30 to 11 sounds good. Perfect. That's okay with me. Um, and I had listened to this episode recently of uh, The Political Orphanage. And he was talking to some guy about AI and law like lawyers making legal arguments and things like that. And so I listened to the episode. I saw, the, you know, I saw the title of the episode is this is one of these podcasts that I don't automatically download every episode. I just kind of look every once in a while and see if there's anything interesting. I'm like, okay, I'll listen to this one. I'll listen to this one. So I found the con you know, the concept of the episode really interesting. So I listened and in the end, the conclusion I reached because they were kind of saying that, in a lot of professions, computers and automation kind of take over, replace, you know, like, uh, what do they call it? Technical um, unemployment, technological unemployment. That's, I think that's one of these terms, these fancy. Makes sense. Fancy PhD economist terms. So um, learn to code. They essentially were arguing. Yeah, right. Learn to code. There's, um, there's this is poster at this middle school I used to substitute at. And you'd come up the stairs and, and then you'd have Obama staring at you from this poster and being like, you know, the future is coding. Learn to code. So anyway, so these A so the AI could theoretically be used to read law books, you know, to read case law, to read all the precedences and to make arguments. And what I realized though was that there isn't really a law or there isn't really a physical law, I should say to be more specific, against 
lying against like lawyers and cops and judges and corrupt, corrupt public officials lying. So if the AI is simply taking the content of what the humans do and then mimicking what the humans do, I'm really worried that these AI lawyers or AI cops or, you know, maybe a cop instead of going to a judge would go to an AI judge to get a warrant. You know, like I'm imagining this scenario and then what my concern is that they're all going to be douchebags. Like this AI is going to be a lying, manipulative douchebag. It's not going to care about the truth. It's just going to care about quotas. But wouldn't the AI have to swear to uphold the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help them God? No, that's when you're giving testimony in a court of law. But Judges have to do that too, though. No, they don't. Only, only a witness who's testifying in front of the jury. Like, no one else in that room has to swear to tell the truth. I'm sure there's, there has to be. I no. remember the last time I was at um, jury duty. I'm pretty sure the, the judge did something like that. Well, there's probably some sort of uh, there's some like s- ritual. There has to be a ritual. But it's not necessarily... Like, it's not a law. It's but just, again, but it's... But it's customary. People, like, innocent people go to prison. Innocent people get convicted of crimes that they haven't done. And so all I'm, what I'm saying is I'm worried that that's going to, con- not only will it continue to happen, but the AI will be even better at it than humans. You know, so it's, it's like, why, they're going to program the AI to always get convictions. You know, like, okay, listen, we're a criminal prosecution now. This is a person who, you know, for whatever reason, we have decided to charge with the crimes. So your job you know, you AI lawyer is to convict this person, to get this person convicted. It doesn't matter if they're the AI lawyer or AI judge or both. Any of them, they're all going to be douchebags because they're all going to like learn the worst. But they're already douchebags. Exactly. This is what I'm saying. So what's the difference? What I'm saying is that they charge it's gonna less. Be, it's going to be automated. We save money. It's so a good gonna, thing. They're going to get even better at being douchebags. Like it's going to get better because it's going to learn from all the times that like all of the, the humans who failed at being douchebags, it's going to learn how not to do. It's going to be like, look at all these examples of failing. We're not going to do it. We're going to, we're going to be douchebags in a successful way. Um, like, <laughs> But the pay, the so the people paying them are the ones who want to get that outcome. So, so this, like, so this is what I wrote. I said the AI doesn't understand the internalized bias of humans. It can only observe their behavior and mimic it. So, as I'm saying, like, regardless of what you may be using, you know, so you would imagine the government would use the AI. Because it's going to save them money, like you said. You know, oh, our our criminal defense attorneys are overworked and blah, blah, blah. Well, but you're going to train the AI to look at all the other criminal defense attorneys. So it's going to be really good at pleading out innocent people. Because the chances, I mean, at least in its mind, probably, that it would be able to successfully defend an innocent person is going to be so low that it's usually going to say, you know what, just just plea out. So then why do a lot of defense attorneys plea out innocent people? Because this exact reason, because they don't think that they have, that they're overworked. They don't have the time to mount an adequate defense for this person who has no budget. So you're fucked. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, it's really sad. Like these, these defense departments are so I mean, defense, like, you know, criminal defense Public defenders, they're way overworked, way overburdened. And so, 
you know, they're going to give as much attention to a, a, a guilty person as an innocent person. And they have as much time to defend them. And so if they're playing out the guilty person, why wouldn't they play out the innocent person? So then, because, yeah, the AI learns from parsing through all that information, but would it have to take examples from real life? Yeah, I mean, that's the question, right? Yeah. That's, that is the, that would determine how the human biases are. Yeah, because no matter what, we're going to program some sort of bias into it, but how to Always. reduce that bias. Yep. It's funny you mentioned this because this morning my friend sends me uh, these pictures of these very, speaking of Asians, <laughs> <laughs> big titted Asians. Episode title should be speaking of Asians and not big titty Asians. Speaking of Asians. Speaking of Asians. And yeah, it's just like your like typical, like, you know, um, pinup girl, Asian girl, whatever. Massive fucking <laughs> massive. And I'm like, what, what are you sending me right now? And she's like, these are AI generated images. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then I looked closely to, to the hand and she was so right. The hand was so fucked up. Oh. Everything else was perfect. Oh man. Uh, I was like, even though very creepy looking well, too. It was but perfect or, or it's like the things that we're looking for are so unreal anyway. Convincing, convincing. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, it was just, it was just hilarious. And of course her conclusion was, oh, now they get to, um, make women do all the depraved things that, that they generally wouldn't pay, um, get paid to do. <laughs> okay great so how is ai going to transform the sex industry uh it's just going to make it worse and worse i mean they say and i believe it like pornography really ruins a lot of sex so it's just going to make it worse yeah oh shit i brought my volume up my ceo is really loud oh oh hello 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 hello. you're not too loud to me but maybe because my volume's not up i'm really troubling too Ooh, I can hear more of the room when I turn myself up. Oh, fun with audio. You know, we're this is a work in progress, people. A work in progress. I'm going to get some more um, like uh, pictures and stuff on the wall, hopefully to absorb some more of the of the echo. It's not going to do anything. It'll do something. No. Why not? Look, what if I get a lot of like pictures on the wall? Pictures? It's glass. It's not going to do anything. You don't think it's going to, you don't think it would muddy the sound a little, like it would just absorb some of the sound? Okay, thank you. That's all I wanted. I don't, I don't ask for so much. So there was a really interesting phenomena of a story going around the internet this week, and I feel like you'd probably get a kick out of it if you if it hasn't come across you. But like you're not on the social medias the way I am. This is from some website, some internet destination called IQFi. And the headline is like this. Are you ready for this? Quote, they knew. Why didn't the unvaccinated do more to warn us? <laughs> End quote. Why didn't I do more? I think about that every night. <laughs> um, I could have bought Bitcoin when it was at 4,000. And you, and if you go to the, if you go into this article, I mean, the article is, being completely serious. So all these people 
on the internet are sharing this article being offended. Like, look how fucking crazy these, you know, these uh, pro-vax people are. Now they're saying that we didn't warn them. And I'm seeing all of these people, you know, getting all hot and bothered on the internet. So I, I'm like, you know what? Okay, let me, let me check the rest of this website. So I'm looking around the website and I start reading the headlines of these articles and I, I'm, I'm convinced this is a propaganda website. Like this is this is a website that's created specifically to to make content to generate these kinds of responses. And so here are some of the headlines from this website. You <laughs> <laughs> went from the Miami Herald <laughs> to, to, to IQ Fi. Yeah, I was thinking it. about this. I was like, I don't have a list. I don't have a list. Oh, God. This is not a list, though. This is just a few funny headlines. This is how I die. <laughs> Your child, a far right extremist. 11 early radicalization signs. <laughs> <laughs> what okay, are right? the 11? <laughs> I don't, it's, I don't, it doesn't matter. All right, here's another one. Seven signs you've evolved into a full-blown bridezilla. What? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, so it's like, it's funny because it's a mix of, of stuff that I feel like is not serious at all and other stuff that I feel is extremely offensive. All right, a woman who, in the course of planning her wedding, ex- okay, exercises or attempts to exercise a high degree of control over all or many minor details of the ceremony and reception. Okay, makes sense. Okay. Five genius tips to look productive at work without actually doing anything. I'm good at that. <laughs> and then finally, and so the, the finally, how to hide a promiscuous past from your new man. <laughs> So, I mean, at least that last one, like that's extremely, I feel like that's, that's meant to offend. I mean, these are meant to offend conservatives. Yeah. Cause guys are in care. They're like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but like, but you know, someone's going to read this, how to hide a promiscuous past from your new man. Like, look at these liberals. Like they're so slutty. They're trying to hide their past, trying to deceive their man. I'm like, this is just trying to offend people. Like, I, that's just how I feel about this, <laughs> this website. Everything is trying to offend somebody. I'm not trying to offend anybody. I just happen to. Minus the Asians. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, all of Asia. Yeah. I can't name all of you. They're just waking up and now they hear this. But you're in my heart. <laughs> We're lit. I started playing a game, a new game recently, and I hadn't played a new game in a while. That's not true. I had been playing this game called the Black Book. Did I tell you guys about that? I must have said something because like you're this Scandinavian girl. No, she's not Scandinavian. You're Estonian, Finlandian, somewhere near Russia. And your boyfriend died. And so your uncle makes you a witch so that you can break the seven seals of hell and bring your boyfriend back from the dead. What? (laughs) That was the black book. So I finished that book. It was a card. It's like a card RPG. You love your card games. Yeah, I've been into card games. And then the game I've been playing now. Ooh, also this game called King Sim. It's like a, you know, like it's got, it's like a really lo-fi game. You kind of got like a world, like a, a God view of this really low quality graphic world. And you're a king and you have to make these decisions, like they're text-based decisions and you have to try to survive and just that's it. You're just trying to survive and it's really easy to die. 
No, no. So it's an interesting game. That one, that one wasn't as exciting. Yeah, I, I, it's really hard to describe the game because of the, like, the, the gameplay and the graphics and all of that. It's kind of like a, a niche kind of thing. But the one that I'm trying to talk about is called Strange Horticulture. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's Strange Horticulture. So you, your uncle died and he left you his flower shop. And so in the game, people are coming to the shop and asking you to like give them flowers, like a certain kind of flower. And you're also picking up these clues and going around the nearby towns and villages and forests and stuff looking for new flowers. And you have to identify the flowers based on written like descriptions. And so it's a little bit of a puzzle game. It's like a, it's got a mystery going on. And then there's some sort of cult that's released a demon and... You have to decide whether you're going to join the cult or not. Like, I feel like I'm at the part of the game where I'm deciding whether I'm going to join this cult. You're going to join, right? Yeah, probably, because I want to control this demon that they got running around. <laughs> Apparently, the demon, like, ripped some guy apart at some Stonehenge kind of, like, monument. And uh, Marcus just got gifted me Red Dead, Red Dead Redemption 2. Ooh, have you played one? Mm, briefly. But I heard two was a lot better. And was so, it? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't started yet. Oh, but. Yeah. Well, I turn it on to see if it, uh, if my computer can handle um, everything maxed out at 4K, and it can. No frame drops. So I'm glad to hear that. I'm excited. My computer cannot handle that right now. Oh, I got it. But yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's sad. Well, one day I'll fix it. Um, Red Dead Redemption. I had a lot of fun with the first one. So if the second one's even better, I like that it, it had a an open worldness to it. So there was a there was kind of a linear narrative, but then you could kind of just get lost in all sorts of side quests. I'll probably be focusing mostly on the on the story because Marcus is a huge like story buff, film buff. That's why we mentioned the whole mustache thing uh, side chat there. But yeah, so we're just going to be talking about the story and whatnot. So. Oh, okay. So you're going to play it so you can talk about the story of the game. He loves, to, he loves to analyze that shit. But then you see, aren't the side quests a part of the story? I'm sure. Yeah, I don't know. Or, you know, like in that kind of a game, what is the story? Because your experience isn't that the story, minus online stuff, I guess to say. Sure. But I'm a bit of a completionist, so I'm sure I'm, I'm going to do all the side quests. Oh man, so you're <laughs> going to be putting like 200 hours into this game then? <laughs> Maybe a tenth of that. What do you mean a tenth of that? Yeah, if you want to finish it, if you're going to be a completionist, it's going to take you several months. It's, it's Probably. It's, the first one was a big game. I remember I played that with a friend of mine, and we just, yeah, that was an entertaining game. Yeah, it's cool because you could just, you know, take your horse and, like, ride off in any direction and then get attacked by coyotes or or Indians or <laughs> um, or bandits or you could like run into something and then eh, I, I like RPGs. It reminds me that, that also reminds me of, um, what was that really famous fantasy RPG that was on the computer? Skyrim oblivion before that. Morrowind. Yeah. Bunch of them. Ah, it's been a long time since I played anything like that. I just, but now the ones everyone's talking about from that same series is, um, oh no, that's no, not this different. Sorry. I'm thinking Dark Souls. Oh, well, I mean, Dark Souls, I feel like it's kind of taken the place of. Yeah. Elden Ring. But, but those games are so hard. Like I tried playing Dark Souls and 
I think I just played it for 20 minutes because I was like, it's going to take me 40 minutes just to figure out how to play this game. And I only had half an hour, I think. So I was like, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to learn how to play this game today. But you do rent it? No, I have it on Steam. Oh. I mean, I, I put them all, I, put, I have, I have a, like 70 games on my wish list. And it's just whenever something's on sale, like 70, 80%. Oh, okay. You know, I'll buy it. Ugh, fucking Americans. Just, just wasting my money on games I'm never going to play. But I don't know. I have like this hope that one day I'm going to have, you know, like a computer set up in, in, in like Brazil or something. And all, all my cousins are going to come over and, and play my games. <laughs> I, I don't know why I have this like fantasy. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I got to get these games because, you know, one day like my cousins are going to really, really like these games. Because you know, they, they probably hate your text games. <laughs> what, the well, <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is this? A, a lot of them are not text games. I got lots of like RPG kind of games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too late. Road lights and you know, screw you, champ. No, one day, one day, I tell you. I have a lot of different kinds of games, like Dark Souls. That you played for 20 minutes. Because it's hard. Yeah, I was trying to have a conversation with someone about games. Like, oh, what games do you play? I'm thinking, like, I don't play a lot of recent games. I play a lot of old games. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, like, I I, had re- I recently did a... Getting old. Imperator Rome, um, a paradox map game. And I played as Rome, and... It didn't go too well, so I'm kind of like, oh, do I want to play again so I could do better? <laughs> like I didn't expand quickly enough. Like I didn't, you know, I was getting because the game is so complex and has so many different mechanics that you know you have to kind of put everything in its place in your mind first before you can actually be very effective strategically. So you know, maybe like they they stopped updating that game. I think they stopped updating it a year ago and it came out like four years ago. It didn't last very long. They're still updating a game called Europa Univers- Universalis 4 that came out like 10 years ago and they're still releasing patches for this game. I guess it's their cash cow. Very successful game. They're the guys who made the Victoria 3 game that I had, I had been playing recently. In other news... You know, my, my favorite uh, open source self-driving car technology, the Kama AI. What are you learning? I'm learning that they dropped their price to $14.99. <laughs> <laughs> so business is good. It's booming. Yeah, I mean, that's what they say. They say basically the more units they sell, the more scale that they can get. So they can keep dropping the prices. They- yeah, right. What? What do you mean? Yeah, right. They want to make money. I mean, they do want to make money, but they make money by getting more scale so they can increase their margins. Well, what else is changing about them? That's, no, it? that's pretty much it. Like, so their their newest device, the Comma Three, it went from twenty three hundred to fourteen ninety nine. So that's a significant price drop. Yeah, wow. And I think they they've secured better manufacturing. I think, like you know, I think maybe things, at least for them, have kind of settled. So you're gonna get one. No, because my car can't run it, you know, and so, you know, maybe what, next year. What's required? You're, they have a whole list of compatible vehicles, but you have to have electronic steering. But a car doesn't have that. My. Comma 3? Yeah. Their website's comma.ai, and they have like a list of compatible cars. Make driving chill. 
from fourteen ninety nine or one thirty six a month with a firm pre qualify now. Yeah, I mean, I, I like this because it's open source. So, oh, but the two fifty SSD is the most popular. Fifteen ninety nine, <laughs> and they got a sixteen ninety nine model too. I don't really know what the difference is, but I want one. So someone should buy me a twenty twenty two. What? I think I need an SUV. So someone should get me a new SUV, and that way I could plug this thing into it, and it'll drive itself. Because wait, 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 am I here? Am I here? Am I here? Yes, I am. On uh, 2021. Yeah, you got the wrong year. Sorry, buddy. 2016. Yeah. Whack. It's pretty whack, but what can you do? Just cry yourself to sleep at night. I usually do. Yeah, you know, so I figure... I'm going to I'm going to keep using the car I got now since so much money had been invested into keeping it alive. It's got a brand new motor. It's got a brand used transmission. It's got a brand new hydraulic pump for the brakes. So I feel like, you know, other than really important stuff like the structure and the what do you call it? Like the bouncy part? Suspension? Yeah, the suspension like that could go at any time. Who knows? The car is 11 years old now <laughs> already it's 2012 oh wow yeah but so you know i just needed to last me through this year and then good riddance i got the forerunner back up and running how ah, you mentioned that so what's that what's that like great two thousand two hundred thousand miles on it uh-huh. from 1999 still runs smooth that's <laughs> nice and it did most of the moving so it was a trooper <laughs> and it's still going. Yeah. Man, that's what did it take to like get that running? I just needed to, um, I needed to take the gas out cause I was like, damn, I haven't turned it's it on in a couple of years. There, yeah. So I finally got a gas pump, like a manual one and I started pumping the gas out and nothing came out. I realized there was no gas in there. So I could have just it put all evaporated. Or there was just so little that it didn't really matter. So I just put like seven gallons in there to like have it mix with whatever was already in there. Uh-huh. If anything was in there. Uh-huh. And then I turned it on. Oh, and then I had to buy a new battery, of course. Uh-huh. Then got it to the shop. They put on new tires and yeah. Cool. But now the check engine light has come on. So maybe that story is not over just yet. Well, you know, I got to get a an OB2 or is it OBD2? I got to get one of those scanners so that like you can read what's what the check engine light is saying it's saying check engine what else can i say uh, well okay you check engine light but then when you connect something to the to the car's computer it'll give you a code telling you which sensor is telling you to check the engine so then based on which sensor you can go and like you know you could look specifically like it could be um something wrong with the exhaust it could be something wrong with the throttle it could be something you know there's just specific sensors that are in the car and I can't remember all of them at this moment, but you know, you just have to, you'd have to check the specific sensor as opposed to, you know, like looking around. Well, I'm getting some money back from my taxes, so I gotta do my taxes, man. Oh. Get it as soon as I could. Yeah, I think the 23rd was the first day, so it was like five days ago when they started processing them. Yeah, I gotta do my taxes. Like last year, ow, it hurt. I I paid a lot more than I was used to. In fact, I'm used to not paying. Yeah, me too. I, I, I had to pay like three or $400. Yeah, I'm used to not paying. So I had to pay. And then it was like, what? 
this is strange. This is this is what happens when Democrats are in control. This country is corrupt. This country is going to hell. It's going damn, to hell in a handbasket. Damn Democrats. Damn commie Democrats. Anyway, so uh, I got to do my taxes, and then if if things go well, then hallelujah. I'm getting money back from Costco, which just means we <laughs> have to go off the grid. Can't tax if they can't find us. Oh yeah. Can't tax Bitcoin. They don't know you have. How much is your Costco thing? Like twenty cents? No, twenty bucks. No, it's it's um, it's like it's like three hundred eighty bucks or something. How much money do you spend at Costco in a year? Well, it's not just the money I spend at Costco. I mean, I also get cash back for all oh, of my credit card purchases. Oh, you have the credit card. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, I'm not spending that much, obviously. <laughs> if I'm only getting three hundred eighty bucks back, but but I get to spend it at Costco, and like, I wonder what I'm going to spend it on. They got a new. You have to spend it at Costco. Yeah, it's Costco oh, what a money. Chip. Well, you know, I I mean, but I already spend money at Costco, so it's sort of, you know, it's not a jip because what I, a jip. I know I'm gonna spend it. There's no concern. That's why cashback is better. That's why I don't I don't like the Amex cards. It's like, oh, you know, we'll give you points, and the best way to use those points is to fucking buy travel with them. What if I don't want to buy travel with you? Okay, but you have to be strategic for what you do. Like I do shop at Costco all the so, fucking time. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I gotta tell this story before. Okay, so. They recently recommended, well, they recently talked about a bottle of wine on No Agenda Show. Couldn't find it. They had it at the Miami Lakes Costco. You got me one? Let me tell the story. Jesus Christ. All right. Get so to the it's, point. A, it's a 2022 uh, Bordeaux from Superior. Some, you know, yeah. Superior. I bought the case? 24 of these. Okay. I'll buy a couple. And then well, let's just keep, let Are me they here? finish the story. <laughs> So I have cash. So I opened, we opened a bottle for dinner yesterday oh, no. and no one liked it. Like no, no one liked that. And one guy who was over for dinner was like talking shit about it. Like, oh, this tastes metallic. I think there's something wrong with it. And then that started putting ideas in my mom's head. So then she's like, oh, we got to return it. We got to return it. And then, I mean, I, like, I don't know. I think I, I may have kind of liked it, but with all the negativity going around, I don't know. Did you return it? No, not yet. I'll buy one. They're only $7 a bottle, so I kind of want to try another one, you know? Open it up. Yeah, so, you know, we'll we'll find out. Um, it's like a mix of she- uh, uh, Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot. I'm not a wine drinker, so I'm going to probably like it no matter what. I mean, I am a wine drinker, not pretty often, but and I do like um, like the more complex. Like I like a complexity in a wine. I like it when it makes my mouth, you know... I like when there's an adventure in my mouth because of wine. <laughs> you know, like a, I feel like a lot of wine is pretty boring and you drink it and it's not, it's not really doing much. Uh, but timestamp. <laughs> you pressed pause. You didn't press time. You got to, you got to, you got to press on the, on the actual. I really got that far. Oh my God. Yeah, you did. Anyways. Um, yeah. You know, so just when the, when the wine is complex and it's got a strong flavor and it's, you know, effervescent and it gives you this aftertaste and i don't know we'll see we'll see how this you know and if i might have to return it to costco but you know you if can they accept it of course they're going to accept it it's costco it's costco you could you, i could return the open bottle <laughs> i've been <laughs> drinking accept it i've been drinking rum ron sacapa Where'd you get that? It's from Guatemala. It's, oh yeah, it's, you buy them anywhere, but it's a famous rum that's won rum of the year many times from Guatemala. So, and I recently, because it was my birthday, it was also my boss's birthday, like two days. 
and um, she's well loved. So like her team got her like cake and everything. And me and my friend, we went, um, we went half like on a really, really nice bottle of rum. So I had bought the cheaper version of that for myself. And it just reminded me how much I love this rum. Such, such a smooth, <laughs> good, I've just been drinking that all week. So good. You know, I drink very little these days. Very, very little. I stopped for a few months and then my birthday came. <laughs> so probably come February, I'll stop again. Oh, so you you mean you stopped since uh, since New Year's Eve? <laughs> I didn't drink, did I? Anyway, so <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, you don't remember. That's what? that's saying everything you need to know. Oh yeah, I remember now. <laughs> it was yeah. definitely drinking involved. I didn't act a fool like I usually do. Though. No, you did not act okay, a fool. Good. You were very merry. You very did merry. not act a fool. Okay, good. You, you often, you have done that. I often past, act a fool. But you were, you were merry and it was very pleasant and everyone was very pleasant. It was, it was a nice time. <laughs> a nice time <laughs> was enjoyed by all. Um, yeah, I think I'd mentioned recently that like I, I was getting these hangovers after drinking a single beer. We talked about this. Like you, um, I don't know what it is, but. I got to try a nice beer and see if it makes a difference because maybe it's just like these cheap, nasty beers like Heineken and Budweiser. <laughs> you answered your own question. Oh, man. <laughs> Many more questions to be answered the next time we get lit. Saturdays, perhaps at 9 p.m. in the near future. We'll, we'll let you know. <laughs> I'm Captain Brunch. Kemp signing out. Peace.